Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. It's a very special edition, as you can tell if you clicked on the title. You're listening to this, so you obviously clicked on it. You know who is here. I'm going to give him a chance to go through all the stuff that he is on, because really there is so much between Sleeper and the Bust, uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits. There's a ton of stuff, so I'm going to let him tell you all about it and a special event that he actually has going on in a few days. So he'll plug all of that here. Justin Mason joins the show today. Justin, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. It's always a, a pleasure to come on a podcast, talk some baseball, uh, take a little break from the work day. So uh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. I've wanted to have you on for a while, and that's my fault. Uh, I've just had so I sent out so many invites to different people, and I needed to wait for them to kind of filter through the inbox before I started sending out more. But uh, I'm very glad to finally have you on. We're going to talk about some predictions today, some of them bolder than others, just uh so maybe hot takes is too strong of a word because I think that they're all within the realm of possibility, but we're just going to spitball a little bit here about what we expect to happen in the second half. First off, though, I want to let you tell the people about everything you got going on right now, stuff you might have in the works for later in the year, just a bit of a rundown about yourself here. Yeah, so you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFB. Found a lot of my stuff there. Uh, I write daily over at Fangraphs, um, and I'm on the Sleeper on the Bus podcast with Paul Spore and Jason Collette. Uh, I do the Friends of Fancy Benefits podcast with Dave McDonald, um, and then the TGFBI podcast. Uh, and then I got Potapalooza coming up this weekend. Potapalooza, um, it's a two day live stream event where I sit down with a lot of people in the industry. Usually we do it at the beginning of the year, like before the start of the season, kind of draft season time. Uh, but with the lockout and everything, uh, we ended up just not doing it. Um, and I decided, you know what? Let's try doing it halfway through the season. See if, uh, see if that works. So. Uh, what it is, is I, I just sit down for, I think it's gonna be like eight hours each day on Saturday and Sunday this weekend, um, live streaming to YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, and we are raising money for charities, We're talking fantasy baseball, raising money for charity, uh, for every dollar someone donates, they get a raffle ticket, um, to win some really, really cool prizes, things like, uh, subscriptions to different sites, uh, t-shirts, uh, bobbleheads, uh, baseball cards, um, someone even donated, he owns his own pet store, donated a hundred dollar gift card uh, for like dog food and pet food, like just random stuff, uh, that people are willing to donate. So, um, uh, if you've ever wanted to be on a uh, baseball HQ radio, one of the things donated Patrick Davitt's going to have someone on his show, uh, like, so just cool things. And, um, and all the money goes to charity. I don't take a dime of it. Uh, uh, we pick a charity every year. This year, we're, uh, we're uh, doing it uh, for Big League Impact. It's an organization that kind of pairs up with Major League Baseball players. 
uh, and the, uh, to support a number of causes around the country and around the world. So thought a nice little tie-in baseball uh, and, and charity. So Big League Impact's our charity this year. If you want to donate, um, you can do it by uh, PayPal or Venmo. Uh, PayPal is justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com. Uh, and the Venmo is uh, Justin Salinger. So, uh, yeah, all, all the money's going to charity. Every dollar gets your raffle ticket. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, you know what? I, I might even try to get you on. I still have some open slots to fill. So we'll we'll have to talk at some point and, and figure out uh, if you're going to be on this weekend. Yeah, we'll talk. We won't bore the folks here listening on the air, but I would be happy to jump on if someone uh, cancels out or if you just have a free spot open. One thing that I notice is that content kind of dies down on the weekends. You don't see as many podcasts being released. So this is great as someone who I'm into all kinds of podcasts, especially since I've gotten into this world. I try and not to to have my opinions influenced, but just to to see what the general consensus is on a lot of things. And on the weekend is when I try and catch up on that stuff. And there's no new content. So this is some great new content featuring a laundry list of analysts who are going to be on. You can check out on Justin's Twitter here, his pinned tweet. He's got how many people is this 50 ish people 40 ish people yeah yeah about 50 people uh so far so it'll be you know i do a different panel every hour it'll be anywhere from two to five people on with me uh some will be uh you know with with a lot of people like i'll just dish right like i'll play in point guard and just send people up for shots some of the other ones i get a little bit more heavily involved in uh, but yeah, just me sitting down with a bunch of people in the industry and, and talking like, yeah, I think 51 or 52 people, um, are booked so far. So, uh, it's, you know, and some real big names in the industry, right? Paul Sporer, Nick Pollock, um, Todd Zola, Patrick Davitt, like some of the, you know, biggest people in the industry coming on and, uh, and chatting with me. Uh, it should, it's gonna, it's a blast. I, uh, this is the third time I've done it. Last year we raised $8,000 for Mental Health America. Um, I don't know if we're going to get as close uh, close to that this year, but you know who knows. And and for every thousand dollars I raise, I uh, I give away a spot in next year's TGFBI. So like if you've always wanted to be in TGFBI and you don't qualify for it because you're not in the industry or you haven't won a satellite league, then this is the only other way you can get in is by getting a Ralph ticket. And once we get over each thousand dollar hump, so last year we raised $8,000, eight people from Pot or from who bought Potapalooza raffle tickets got in TGFBI this year. So that is, uh, that's another cool perk. That's great. I love things like that. This is kind of like your version of PitchCon, right? You, you yeah. It's just a great opportunity to listen to your favorite fantasy people. I like some, to think that PitchCon is their version of Potapalooza. <laughs> I, I I did it first. Take that, you Nick. Know. Yeah, yeah. Love Nick, but oh, of course, he copied me. I ain't copying him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, man. This it should be a lot of fun to listen. If I can be squeezed in there, I'll I'll be happy to join. I'll, if, I'll if make not, it happen. That's great, man. That's great to hear. So be on the lookout. Your boy's going to be on there as well. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the actual baseball slash fantasy baseball content. This isn't going to be just a strict fantasy show. I know most of my stuff, 90% plus is fantasy, but we're going to talk some general baseball stuff today as well. And I guess you are you are the guest today, so I'll give you the floor here. Do you have one bold prediction or even just any prediction really for the second half that people might not see coming? Um, I'm going to go with O'Neill Cruz as a top 10 shortstop rest of the way. Um, and I think some people are going to be like, oh, you know, he has not performed well at all. He's hitting like 204. He only has four home runs. Um, he's striking out 36 and a half percent of the time. They're going to be like, 
what makes you think that you actually look underneath the hood and that 36 and a half percent strikeout rate is pretty fraudulent. Like, you know, swing strike rates only 14%. Typically you look at around doubling uh swing strike rate. Uh, so, I mean, it should drop, you know, to around 28%, which is a lot more palatable. It's not great, but a lot more palatable. He hits the ball super hard. When he makes contact, he makes hard contact, but he's also stealing bases. He's already got four stolen bases. He's uh, had seven attempts and you got to remember like he missed you know, a large portion of the season. We got 104 plate appearances so far. So like, if he can get another 300 plate appearances, talking about a guy that could potentially, you know, hit 15 home runs and steal 15 bases the rest of the way. Um, like, I think that makes him a top 10 shortstop. And even if the average is never good, like it doesn't need to be good, especially from a fantasy perspective, right? Like if he just hits 260, like, and, you know, it goes 15-15 rest of the way. Like, that's a star for the second half. Yeah, I think that that's completely reasonable. The strikeout rate is way higher than it should be. The walk rate is way below where it should be. So those things will correct themselves. Uh, I, I think that that's a reasonable thing to, to expect. Now, if you're looking at who the top 10 shortstops are right now, I think that there's some room for him to jump ahead of guys like Willie Adamas. Uh, Dansby Swanson, I think there's going to be a crash coming soon. So I think there's definitely room there uh, in the lower part of that top 10. Like, I don't think he's going to surpass Trey Turner and Lindor and those guys. But I think there's definitely room there between 8 and 10 if he really turns it on. The one thing I don't like is that he's surrounded by not great players, to put it very (laughs) nicely. Um, So there might be a bit of a limit there in terms of the runs and RBIs he has, but home runs and steals should be very good as along with a solid batting average. So I, I agree there. That's a great pick. Thanks. Let's throw a different one at you here. This one is one of mine. I think that Clayton Kershaw and Justin Verlander are both going to win their Cy Youngs in their respective leagues. Now, Verlander is not so much of a hot take. I think it's some people are forecasting it. I know Joe PCP has been on this one for a long time. He loves Justin Verlander. But I think with Kershaw, and we saw it with him starting the All-Star game yesterday. I don't know. Did you, first off, did you watch the All-Star game? Did you enjoy the All-Star game? No? Uh, I don't I don't. No, I don't care about that stuff. I mean, I talked about this with Paul yesterday on, on Sleeper in the Bus. But, like, um, the All-Star break is actually, like, the one time I get a break, right? Like, it, right. like everybody else takes time off between, like, October and you know, January and stuff like that. I don't like, I, I'm still working 60, 70 hours a week and stuff. Um, and so like the all-star break is like the one time I actually get to tune out. Um, and even in, even now I'm not because, cause I've got pop blues this weekend. Like I had prep work and stuff to do the last few days, but, um, I could not care less about the all-star game or <laughs> the home and derby. And I know I'm in the minority on that. Well, I think for the game, you're not so much in the minority. I think for the Derby, a lot of people tune in for the Derby just because it's a bit more of a spectacle. It doesn't take as long to sit through the whole thing. With the game, I think it can be, I think monotonous is the wrong word, but, and they did a good job this year. I don't know if, how much you saw about it, but they had like Alec Manoa mic'd up on the mound. There was some, there was mm-hmm. some, some things to keep the fans interested. Uh, I'm more of a Derby guy myself. I thought that was a lot of fun. The game is, the game is okay, but getting back to Kershaw, he started the game and I think that just, shows you still how he is viewed amongst his peers and amongst the managers in baseball. He's got a 213 ERA this season. Granted, he's only thrown 71 and two thirds, but if he's able to throw that again in the second half, somewhere around, you know, duplicate that good up to around 135, 140 innings with a low twos ERA, I think he'll get some legacy votes just because how many more elite years does Clayton Kershaw really have? Uh, He's 
34. He's had troubles with his back and different things over the years. I think that they might just throw that one at him as a, as a send off. Not that this will be his last year, but maybe his last elite year. And with Verlander, this is actually the lowest ERA that Verlander's ever had in his 17 years. So I don't think it's as much of a stretch with Verlander. Uh, I think we saw Shane McClanahan get hit around a little bit yesterday. Maybe that'll on the national stage that will make some people not want to vote for him stupidly, but who knows what goes through the minds of these voters. Do you think that there's a decent chance of these two things coming through or am I, am I nuts? I think Verlander has a decent chance um, because he's got the numbers to go with it. I think it just depends. I think for both these guys, it really depends on what their innings total is rest of the way. Right. I mean, um, and you have to volume numbers in order to get the votes. I mean, as, as stupid as it is, um, voters still care about things like wins. Like they, they, you know, they, uh, and they care about the ERA, right? Like, and those are good, th- you know, ERA is a good thing to, you know, take into account, obviously. I mean, Shane McClanahan to me has been the best pitcher in baseball. And so, like, it would be a shame not to see him win it, but I could totally see Verlander doing it. Kershaw. I just don't know that he's going to have the innings and the high impact innings. Um, you know, Verlander at least already has 12 wins. Uh, you know, so that like really goes in his favor, even though, like I said, wins should not be a determining factor for the Cy Young. Um, but yeah, I could see Verlander doing, I think, I think at the end of the day, I think both these guys win comeback player of the year. Um, and, often voters don't want to give guys two awards in the same season. So I think that could actually go against both of them because I think they're both kind of shoe-ins for comeback player of the year. That's a very good point. Now, I'm just thinking more along the lines of these older people who don't watch games outside of their own own network, their own uh, area. And I thought maybe... Maybe if, if Kershaw is able to throw 140, if he's able to, you know, win seven or eight more games, end up with 15 and three record or something like that. I think there's an outside chance that some people will just say, all right, one more for Clayton and one more for Verlander and, and that'll be it. Now, I, I agree that Kershaw is more of a long shot, but that's what we're here for. We're here to throw some bold predictions at you. Not your not your average show today, mixing things I, up a little bit. I think Kershaw has a hard time because he's, he's arguably not the best pitcher on his team. Um, and arguably he's like the third best pitcher on his team this season. When you've got Gonsolin performing so well and Urias performing so well and Tyler Anderson performing so well. So like he could like split votes, even from like people in the LA area uh, who want to vote for a Homer. So like, yeah, I think you know, it's so hard. Like it's true. Sandy, Al- Sandy Alcantara like has been so good. But he's on a losing team. That always hurts you, right? Um, I mean, that's one of the things like, that could really hurt Shane McClanahan and really helps Verlander is the Astros are going to win their division, right? The Astros are going to be in the playoffs. There's no guarantee the Rays are in the playoffs, right? And if the Rays don't make the playoffs, are they going to give the Cy Young to McClanahan? I don't know that they will. I mean, we've seen you know guys on bad teams not win the MVP, even though they were clearly the best player in baseball that year. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think... I don't. I don't know how you 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 pick a Kershaw over a guy like Max Fried or a guy like um, Sandy Alcantara. Um, much less guys on his own team like Urias yeah. Anderson. Like you know, you look at like who's winning in WAR. Like Gonson is that's got the third highest WAR for a pitcher this year on his own team. Gonson, you wouldn't even consider him one of the top two pitchers on that team. Last year, I think he bounced in and out of the rotation a little bit, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So. 
Uh, I, I agree there. I think Gonsolin, we're going to see some some regression here in the second half a little bit. Has to be. He's Has been to too be. good. Yeah. So uh, I, I think I think you've swayed me a little bit here. I don't think that Kershaw is likely to win. And I don't to go to the Max Reed point for just a second. I think he kind of has a similar argument of other guys on this team who are very talented. Strider, uh, Morton's turned mm-hmm. it on. Although Morton's not going to get Cy Young votes, but just other guys who might impact the voting there. I think Alcantara should probably win it, uh, assuming he stays healthy and he's able to keep throwing eight innings every night and probably throw 250 innings this year if he, if he keeps up his mm-hmm. pace. It'll be hard to vote against him. Uh, let's let's move on here. We've gone at this one for quite a while now. Let's let's get go back to you here. Do you got another prediction for us? Yeah, I'm going to say Alex Cobb is a top 30 starting pitcher rest of the way. Oh, I love uh, this one. Um, I, I don't know if there's been an unluckier pitcher in baseball. He has pitched extremely well. I'm talking about a guy that's you know got you know almost a strikeout in an inning, uh, you know a sub seven percent walk rate. Um, and an X ERA of 274, but he's just been babbit to death and he's gotten really unlucky in the strand rate department. Uh, you know, he's running a career high 324 babbit, uh, a sub 60% strand rate. Like, dude has just gotten super, super unlucky. All the ERA indicators say he should be pitching around, you know, or under a three ERA. Uh, and, like he pitches in one of the best ballparks in baseball with a pretty good defense behind him and a team that should be winning more games, but it's still a winning team right now um, in the giants. Like, I just feel like Alex Cobb is the easiest buy low in, in like fantasy right now. And uh, so, yeah, top 30 rest of the way. I love Alex Cobb. I I play a lot of Yahoo and ESPN leagues and he's like 30% rostered. He's a free pickup at this point, pretty much. And there's certain stats that you look at, 63% ground ball rate. Like, who does that? That's like Framber Valdez. Yeah. XFIP is 2.94. The strikeouts are, they were at a career high. They've fallen off just a little bit recently, but he's walking only 6% of batters. The BABIP, like you said, has been terrible. He's leaving 58% of batters on base, which is also terrible. It's like every bit of bad luck he can possibly have, he's had. And it's similar with his teammate, Alex Wood. I've talked about both of yeah. these guys a lot. They've just been so unlucky. Alex is in San Francisco, something there, maybe, I'm not sure. But the way that San Francisco is able to tinker with their pitchers year after year, we see them bring in guys from different locations. Gosman, uh, DeSclafani over the years. Um, who else? I'm blanking. Uh, we've seen it over the last couple of seasons. They bring yeah, in Drew Smiley for a year. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, they're just, it's just a really, really good development organization. Um, and, and they've done, also done a really good job with injury prevention, uh, which, you know, guys like Alex Wynn, Rodon, um, and, and Cobb have, you know, extensive injury histories and figure out how to keep these guys healthy. They, they do a really, really good job of managing them. Uh, I just, it's been, it's been so frustrating because I think a lot of people in the industry have felt this way about Alex Cobb this year. Uh, that he is destined for a turnaround and, and for a really good rest of the season. And he just keeps getting kind of babbit to death. I, it's, I think it's got to come though at some point, like at some point he just can't run this bad. I've said it multiple times. Like this is the hill I will die on. If I'm wrong about this, then I will happily look back at the end of the year and say I was wrong about it. But he has to be better. He just has to be better. Okay. Uh, his last start before the break, I think we worked into the eighth inning and he looked very good. So if you can still grab him depending on your league size if you're in just like a 12 14 team league on yahoo he's probably available he should be he's probably mm-hmm. better than than your worst pitcher on your roster right now so if you're in a trading league or if he's available i would definitely go and pick him up let's move on here to my next one this one 
I feel pretty confident in this one, even though I think that the tide is turning. I think Juan Soto is going to end up staying with the Nationals, at least this season. I don't think that during the year, I don't think that anybody will be able to pull together a package that will entice the Nationals enough to get rid of him. I saw some stuff going around about potential packages, and some of them are, 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 I think they're meant to be jokes on Twitter. I'm not really sure. Maybe they're just certain fan bases wishfully trying to put that into the atmosphere, hoping that it's going to happen. But I think that Juan Soto is likely to remain with the Nationals at least until the end of this season. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't see him getting traded. Um, I Now, the Nationals made it really clear last year that they're fine trading away faces of franchise, right? They traded away Scherzer and Turner in the same deal. Um, but they still have another two seasons of control on Soto past this year. Um, and they, they hope to resign him. Like he hasn't made it clear. Like he's not going to resign. Like he just wants to get paid what he feels he should be getting paid, which good for him. Like people like giving Soto crap for like not taking the, the deal that was on the table. Like why should he, he's got two and a half years to get a deal done. Um, and he, you know, he wants to get as much money as possible. And the longer he waits, the more money he's going to get. Um, so it makes a lot of sense for him not to take that deal. Uh, that being said, I do think it gets done at some point. Like, I just think there's so much time, uh, for them to work it out. Uh, this is an organization that has shown that they are willing to give guys long-term contracts, um, and pay guys lots of money. Uh, and I think that Soto has probably the best skill set in Major League Baseball to age well. Uh, and so like, I don't, I wouldn't mind giving him a 15 year contract. I don't think the last few years of his, you know, of a contract would be that bad. I think it, at worst, it's like Joey Votto-esque where, you know, he's still showing a good batting eye and hitting for power. Like it, I think he's going to be, you know, a great player for the next decade plus and the nationals should get it done. I think they will get it done. By the time, excuse me, by the time you get to 2037 or whenever the deal would expire and you're looking at, Based on their last offer, it'd be like a $29 million annual average. Mm-hmm. That, how far under the market will that be 15 years from now? Oh, it'd it's be- going to be so far under the market. Like, I mean, you know, right now, like that is under market for a player of yeah. his caliber. Like, yeah. so like, of course, in 15, and this is why he's not taking it, right? Like, people are like, oh, it's $450 million. How do you turn that down? Like, well, it, when you look at it from an annual value, he should probably be getting paid closer to, you know, $35 million, $40 million a year. Like, and so if you're going to do that over 15 years, like that's a lot more money. Like he should be getting a fine $500 million plus deal um, if if they want him for that amount of years. Um, maybe he doesn't want to sign for that one. Maybe he wants another shot at free agency uh, or maybe he wants opt-outs and they weren't willing to give. Like we don't know what the terms of that contract really were. Yeah, if he were to accept $29 million right now, that would put him as the 15, 16th highest paid player in baseball as of right now. That's just not going to cut it. Behind guys, I know it's not going to look great, but like behind David Price, Corey Seager, Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasburg, there's there's no way he would accept that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just when you see these packages that teams are putting together now, I saw a hypothetical, I'm a blue Jay fan. So a hypothetical blue Jays package of Boba Shett plus uh, our three top prospects. It's like, that's, it seems like a lot for the Jays to give up. Now, is there that much of a difference between Bichette and Soto that you need to throw three top prospects? I don't know that it's that, that severe of a gap between them. Soto is a better player. No, no question. 
But is it that like that's if that's what they're asking for? I don't think they're going to get that back from a lot of teams. I think they're, they're only going to get they're only going to get that back if if teams get to sign him to a long term contract yeah. before that deal is done. Yeah. Um, and like you know, so like, what is it going to take? Like I like I saw a bunch of people like oh, the Mariners. The Mariners have a lot in their farm system. Like, can the Mariners afford that? Like, I don't I don't know. Maybe they also want to lock up J Rod long term, right? They've got their own young guys that they're gonna you know they've got Kirby that they're gonna want to lock up long term and a bunch of other guys like yeah me there are i'm sure teams who have what it takes but like do you really want to empty out the farm for a guy you have to then go and pay 400 million dollars to or 500 million dollars to that's a that's a tough question i think a lot of teams would happily do it like you said if they know and i think some teams would even take the gamble of acquire him and then worry about it in two years because he's just that special i just think the asking price similarly i don't know how much you follow basketball but with Kevin Durant, the asking price seemed to be so egregiously high that the market's kind of thinned out for him. I, I expect that to happen with Soto in the next couple of weeks. I, I doubt that a deal will get done in the next two weeks because this is something that they should take their time on, explore all their options, and get the best deal possible. It's it's really sad for Nationals fans in the last five years losing Harper and Trey Turner, who's my favorite player in baseball, Scherzer, Strasburg essentially lost, not traded, but essentially career over. It's I'm glad they won that World Series while they while they did because the, the window is is shut for a good few years now. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, they they owe bad money to Strasburg and Corbin. Um, I think they're still paying part of Strasburg's deal uh, as well, uh, or uh, Strasburg uh, Scherzer's deal too. So like, um, like it's you know, they've got a lot of bad money on the books. Um, yeah. So that you know, I, I can understand why maybe they don't want to go any higher in terms of the annual value. But at the same time, like this is a generational player. You do, you, you don't let a generational player who's so marketable, he will make that money back. Like no problem. He's going to make that money back in half the contract uh, for that organization with how well they can market a guy like Soto. So like, just pay it, just pay the money. You can see it at the, at the home run derby. I don't know if you saw any highlights, but just the way that the ball leaves his bat, it's almost like, like a titleist leaving the tee off from a driver. It's like yeah. he's it's like it's literally soaring into the air, even to the opposite field. He's just he's just magic to watch. And even last year in the Derby, he hit a ball like five hundred and thirty feet, granted at course field, but he's just so special. Even even the ones that didn't go over the fence, like the ones like went opposite way were like beautiful hits. Like it just anything that comes off of his bat is just just looks beautiful. And um He's just such he's he's like one of the funnest players in baseball to watch. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you want to lock him into your team for the next 15 years? He's a veteran at 23 already. He's already got like five yeah. years experience. I remember watching him face Josh Hader in the playoffs. And that year they won the World Series. I think it was the wild card game. And just thinking, who the who the hell is this kid? 18 years old. He's like destroying Josh Hader, but he's lived up to it, man. I just hope that wherever he goes, he's able to have a long career. Like that's that's obviously mm-hmm. the goal here. Oh, just a long because, I mean, maybe it's just the national thing. I just, I feel like there's bad juju around the nationals between Anthony Rendon and just, I I don't know. Maybe that's stupid of me. I'm just hoping for the best for Soto, obviously, going forward. Yeah, me too. Let's keep this going. Let's send it back to you. You got another one for us here? Another uh, another hot take? Yeah, let's see. Um, I'll do another pitching one. Uh, Tyler Molly. He's going to be top 30 pitcher rest of the way. Um, and this is likely really dependent on the Reds actually moving into the deadline, but I hope they actually do. And they, they've been in talks, move him and Luis Castillo. Both would get huge uh, kind of bounces 
uh, in value, like if uh, if they were to move to a different park, because Great American Ballpark is just one of the worst parks to pitch in in all of baseball. Uh, Molly's shown really, really good skills. Another one of these guys that, you know, the RA yeah, is for sure high. But uh, if you then look at like, uh, where he's at in terms of his XERA and you go, oh man, like Molly's actually, you know, got a top 20 XERA in baseball at 320. You know, he gets over a strikeout an inning. Um, you know, he doesn't walk too many guys. He's got a little bit unlucky in the strain rate and BABIP department this year, but like moving him to a better team that give him win potential that could give him a better park to pitch in, a uh, better defense behind him. Uh, would be huge. So I'm hoping he gets traded because if he is top 30 pitcher in baseball. I absolutely agree. Yeah, his home and away splits are not so egregious, but definitely better on the road. 383 ERA away and just one tick south of five at home. Do you think that there's anybody in particular who's going to try and acquire him? Just any contender really? Or is there any anything that you've heard recently about specific teams? I mean, I think any team, you know, the playoffs are won with pitching and any team, um, you know, especially like Blue Jays could definitely use a guy like him with their injuries to Kikuchi and Ryu. Though I think Kikuchi's injury was more a matter of, hey, we need to get you off the mountain because you're awful yeah. uh, right now. Um, you know, the Red Sox and Chris Sale could easily use a starter. Uh, I think the Yankees, even though they don't really need a starter, I wouldn't be surprised to see them at a starter. The Rays could definitely add a starter. Um, the Braves definitely could add a starter. Um, you know, like I think, uh, I think just about every team, like you can never have too much pitching. Like you just can never have too much starting pitching. Um, and you know, to have like a real force of like three or four, like really good guys heading into the playoffs, it's like, it's like the formula of how the Giants won the World Series in those even year championships. Like they weren't the best team, but they had like Linscomb, King, you know, you know, Barry Zito, Jonathan Sanchez, like these guys who were just lights out during the playoffs and they just steamrolled people or teams because they're the top of their starting pitching was so good. Um, so I think, I think just about every team is going to be looking to add or bolster that starting pitching depth. Yeah. Those Giants teams also had great uh, leverage guys in the eighth and ninth, Sergio mm-hmm. Romo and uh, Brian yep. Wilson, remember big, big beard, Brian Wilson. Yep. Uh, he was, he was a lot of fun. Uh, Sergio Romo just got DFA'd actually by the Blue Jays the other day. I think that was. He'll find his way back on a team. Like he'll, he'll end up somewhere. They asked him when we signed him here in Toronto, why did it take so long for you to latch on with the team? And he said, I throw 85. I mean, what did you guys, mm-hmm. think? <laughs> what did you guys think? I was going to get scooped up right away, but no, he's definitely a, a lot of fun. He'll, he'll find something else, but uh, those years, those giants world series years were a lot of fun. Going back to Mali here for a quick second. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on or you're, or you're cool to, uh, to move on here from Tyler? Yeah, I think, I think that's good. I mean, he's just a guy that really needs to get a great America ballpark. I mean, Castillo definitely would help, you know, would help him get, getting out of there uh, as well. But uh, Molly's just, you know, he's a guy, he's only got like a 34% ground ball rate. Like he, he does let a lot of his contact um, go into the air. You know, it's 40, 46, 47% fly ball percentage so like he really is a guy that like does not benefit from that park and that defense is like I don't think people remember like how bad that defense was last year it's just as bad this year like it's it has not gotten better like and so getting on a better in a better park better defensive team I think would do him wonders yeah absolutely and I think it's easy to forget how good he was last year he's just about four wins above replacement 375 ERA 
great strikeout numbers. If he can replicate mm-hmm. that and get away from uh, Great American Small Park, as they like to call it, I think that'll yeah. that'll do wonders for Tyler Molly. Let's bounce back to another one of mine here. This one, this one is definitely in more in the hot take section here. I think that there's a possibility for this happening, but I don't think it's likely. But I think Julio Rodriguez has a decent chance of finishing the year as the number one ranked player. I think he's going to, well, like you didn't see the home run derby, but he was crazy, man. Like he was in the first round, especially just the pitches that were being thrown to him were, were perfect for what he wanted. But he was mashing, and it's it's unfortunate that he didn't start in in the All Star game and get a little bit more of that public uh, public view of the or public uh, exposure, I guess you can say, playing out there in Seattle. But I think he has a thirty thirty potential with a hundred runs, hundred RBIs, and he can hit close to three hundred. I think that at the very least he could be a top five player uh, rest of season. Yeah, I, I don't have any problem with that. I think you're going to um, look at him as uh, potentially the number one pick of fantasy next year. Uh, I mean, uh, he's young. He, like you said, he has, he has real 30-30 potential uh, playing on an up-and-coming team. Uh, you know, if he was playing on the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers or something like right now, like people would be going even more nuts than they are. Like he he's hidden up in Seattle. Like, you know, you don't realize like just how good he's been so far this year, you know, 91 games, 16 home runs, 21 stolen bases, like 30, 30, not only isn't out of question, like it's, it's somewhat probable, you know, yeah. uh, maybe he doesn't get to 30 home runs. But he's getting the 30 stolen bases. Like he's he he could be like a 25-40 guy by the end of the season. I I yeah, I completely agree. He could definitely be the top player in fantasy this year. But even if he's not, um, I think right now he's my number one pick coming into next year. You take him ahead of uh of Ronald Acuna or yeah. whoever, Trey Turner. Yeah. I, I I think you have that argument. I don't know that I I don't want to like hold myself to it, but I yeah. If I'm drafting right, and here's the thing, I'm I'm starting my first draft of my first, yeah, my first draft of the season here in about a week or so because I do a three sport league. So, uh, and so it's football, baseball, and basketball, uh, and I think we're starting August eighth. So, like, I'll get my first opportunity to like, will he be the first baseball player off the board? Basketball goes early in that draft, so like, like, but will he be the first baseball player off the board? I wouldn't be surprised. Probably not because it's a daily moves league. Otani, I think, still then has is such a huge advantage being pitcher and hitter and, and being able to, you know, switch them daily. But um, outside of that caveat, I think you know, J-Rod has a real opportunity in like weekly or NFBC to be like the number one player off the board next year. And that's a redraft league, the three sport league. I do a redraft version and I do a dynasty version. It's interesting across all three sports. I forget about redraft for a second. If you're, Dynasty, let's call it a 10-year, 15-year dynasty. Where would Julio go amongst those three sports? I mean, if you're comparing across, like, they're bad. It's, it's really hard. I don't play any three-sport leagues. You tell me, is the value, is he a top 10 across all three leagues, top 20? Uh, he would probably be in the top 20 picks or something. Baseball doesn't tend to go as highly, one, because the the life of a baseball player is so long, like, right. um, that uh, – you can, it's easier to rebuild it. Um, and there's so many players in baseball, like, right. You only got five players on the court in basketball. Um, you know, you only have, uh, you know, 
what, two wide receivers, two running backs, tight end, a quarterback in football um, that count towards fantasy. But like you've got a ton of baseball players. So a lot of baseball players come into the league um, and get value. You know, the Michael Harris, you know, the right. seconds of the world, like they come into the league. Like that doesn't happen in basketball. Like all the players are rostered yeah. in a fantasy basketball league that are going to be rostered. And there might be the occasional wave wire pickup that wins you a league, but it doesn't, it's not as, as popular. So baseball tends to go a lot later in drafts like this. Uh, but I would expect him to, in in a startup dynasty uh, three sport league, I would expect him to go in the top twenty because you're talking about a guy who could potentially be a first round pick um, or even the best player in fantasy for the next five to ten years. Um, you always want that kind of guy in your team. I'm just trying to think, like in the NFL, I guess you take a couple of running backs ahead of him, maybe like Jonathan Taylor and maybe mm-hmm. maybe, maybe Christian McCaffrey. But <clears throat> there's the injury stuff with McCaffrey. It's it's tough, man. I've never done a three sport league, but I definitely need to get into that because that would be really cool to see who would be the one, the one point zero one. I guess would it be it's, basketball it, player? The basketball player always is, yeah. it, it, at least in the ones that I've been in. I've been doing this one off and on for it's be our ninth season of the redraft, and uh, we're in season. We're going into season three um, of the. Uh, of the dynasty league, uh, which I, I won the inaugural season. I just want to put it out there. I won, <laughs> I won the championship year one of the dynasty league. Um, that's why my team's so bad right now, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, basketball goes really high because one, I think basketball is probably most people's weakest sport. Like if you're into all the sports, usually you're, you're really tuned into baseball. You're really tuned into football and basketball is kind of the tertiary. There's obviously guys who are really, really good at the basketball portion of it. Um, but basketball tends to go pretty high. I always go basketball high with my picks just because I don't know very much anything about basketball. Like I played football, you know, at a pretty high level high school and college and, um, and, you know, and I obviously cover baseball for a living. Right. So like, I, I know those sports basketball. I don't know anything. Like I absolutely know nothing. Like I know how the game is played, but uh, to be honest, the last time I watched a full basketball game was probably like 1995. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, um, we were, well, we kind of, we kind of lost our way there a little bit, but we're, we're, we're talking Julio and I'm just one more thing. I'm just trying to think. Next season, I know rest of we were talking, the question was rest of season this year. I'm just trying to think next year who would I personally take ahead of Julio, and it's really, really a short list. Those five category guys, maybe Jose Ramirez, maybe Acuna. It's it's really maybe Tatis if he comes back healthy, but it's top five. I think is more likely every single day. I I think what this tells you is like, if you get to play in a league where you get to like, like pick your draft slot, like if you, if you're an NFBC, you get to do KDS or if you're at your home league and you guys, you know, get to like, Oh, you know, first person pull ahead doesn't actually get to get the first pick. He just gets to pick his draft spot. You want to pick like in the middle of the draft, right? You want to pick somewhere between five and nine because they're going to be legitimately, you know, probably six or seven or eight guys who are absolute studs. Right. Like, and so like, I'd much rather have a kind of a, you know, middle round pick um, and then get an earlier pick in the second round, as opposed to picking first overall guaranteeing me, I get Julio and then I get a worse guy in the pick. The difference between Julio Rodriguez, Trey Turner, uh, Ronald Cunha, potentially healthy Tatis, um, uh, Jose Ramirez, 
then you start throwing in, you know, Garrett Cole or whatever pitcher is at the top, but you know, like I'll take pick eight or nine and then have a, you know, earlier pick in the second round. I think that's, that's going to be the strategy for next season. Yeah. I always like picking in the middle. I think it keeps you more involved. If you pick it first and you got to wait 23 picks until your next mm-hmm. pick, it kind of, you can lose focus and maybe you leave your site for a second and go check out something else. And then I feel like if you're picking between, like you said, like five to nine, six to nine, then you're always kind of zoned in on the draft. You're focused. We're talking, not if it's a slow draft, but if you're just doing mm-hmm. the draft over a course of a couple of hours, keeps you really involved in what's going on. You know who's going off the board. I think that's a great call there, picking somewhere in the middle if you get to choose. I don't, most of the leagues I do, you just kind of get randomly selected. But if yeah. you, do have, you do have a choice, then that's a, that's a great call there. Any other, I think the, the Julio one was mine there. Do you have another uh, another one for us? We'll just do a couple more here. I don't want to keep you for, for too, too long today. I got one more. Giants are going to win the World Series. Bold prediction. I'm a homer. I'm, I'm It's an even year. Um, I bet on them when I went to Vegas for NFBC to win the World Series. Uh, you know, put put $100 to win like $3,000. Um, so, like, the Giants need to get it together, come through, and win me my World Series. I don't think it's impossible i mean they're not the team they were for, for whatever reason they're not the they're team gonna they make were. the playoffs first are they are they let me pull up the wild card are they in the wild card spot right now i think they're probably just they're, they're like two or three games behind the cardinals for the last wild wild card spot i think yeah that's so do you is there any reason they're so much weaker than they were last year you think is it losing buster posey mainly or like is there is there one thing you can put it down to to be honest, I think last year was a magical year. Like, I yeah. think everything, you know, this is like one of those things where like uh, over the course of a full season, typically luck gets like factored in both ways, right? You're going to get unlucky. You're going to get lucky. But it's not like football where you like, you can just go on a hot streak for 16, you know, during a 17 game season and like, oh, you're, you, you know, you dominated the regular season, even though you weren't really that good, just had a good schedule or, um, you know, you got lucky. In baseball, things tend to even themselves out. They just didn't last year. Like it didn't they get evened out to the playoffs. Um, you know, it just they were on this like every move they made was the right move. Like I don't think they were, you know, 107 wins. Like they weren't that talented. They weren't that good. I love the Giants. Like, and hopefully my wife doesn't hear this because she would be really, really angry at me. But like that wasn't the best Giants team of all time. That wasn't even close to like a top 10 talented Giants team of all time. Um, You know, they just, everything went their way. And this year it feels like the opposite this year. We just, we talked about it with Alex Cobb and Alex Wood, right? Like they're, they're pitching really well, but getting kind of the, you know, wrong end of the stick in terms of the numbers. I think it's been kind of the opposite this year. And that's why they're kind of struggling uh, in a way that they probably didn't expect them to. So uh, I think, you know, the bounces hopefully will start coming a little bit more their way in the second half. All they got to do is get into the playoffs and with that extra playoff spot this year, they've got an amazing rotation, right? Like they got, you know, uh, Carlos Rodon, um, you know, Logan Webb, both are studs. Like I said, um, Alex Cobb and Alex Wood are both pitching a lot better than I think people realize, uh, you know, in the number show. Like I think they're, this is one of those, well-built Giants teams. The bullpen's, you know, pretty darn good um, that could surprise people in the playoffs. I, I'm not actually picking them in the World, World Series. I, they shouldn't win the World Series. But like I said before, they shouldn't have won in 2010, 2012, 2014. Like, those weren't the best teams in the playoffs that year. They just got hot at the right time. 
Yeah, and even uh, Jacob Junis, who had not a great start when yeah. he came back, but they got five solid starters out there. Wood and Cobb, their ERA is above four, but it really shouldn't be. Everybody mm-hmm. else is in that three range. They really could have a top three to five starting rotation up there with the Mets and the Braves. And those, those probably the Mets and the Braves are, are right up there. But San Francisco, just looking at them, you, you kind of forget really because Cobb and Wood have been so unexceptional, especially if you just play fantasy. You just look at where they're ranked for the season and they're like in the hundreds. You know, they're, they're nowhere near where they should be. And that kind of will influence how you view these teams but san francisco is better than you might expect in the lineup mm-hmm. they're not they're not so deep in the lineup but i mean jock peterson has done a great job coming in yastrzemski estrada joey bart i mean there there's a lot of promise i think that it might be a little bit of a long shot for them to, to get to the world series but if you get into the playoffs we saw it like with the mm-hmm. nationals a, a few years ago yeah. they were the, they were the wild card team so it, all you just got to do is get in they have the pitching depth to hopefully carry them to uh to a run. I'm hoping for my Blue Jays to have some kind of run in the second half here, but Blue Jays would be a fun team, man. I'm hoping they make the playoffs. I I think it's time. I I think it really depends on what they do at the trade deadline, right? Like, do they add to that rotation and that bullpen? Because the offense doesn't need any help. It's 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 the pitching that does. Yeah, they need they need a starting pitcher with Ryu done for the year, Kikuchi, like you said, that IL stint. I don't think there's any injury. He just was terrible, and they needed to stop him from going out there. Manoa and Gosman. Manoa and Gosman has been the whole the whole thing, and I still don't know how Gosman wasn't named an All Star. I I he did have an injury, but he came back before the All Star break, and him and Dylan Cease. I don't understand it. Rodon, they took their sweet time putting Rodon in that in that game too. But uh, I think the Jays, they need a left-handed bat, and they need to add some kind of starting pitching help. I thought Ben Intendi was tailor-made, but he's not vaccinated, so I don't think we're going to be trying to get him anymore. That's insane, man. Like, how, how does the Royals have a third of their team not vaccinated? <laughs> it was funny. The Royals' Twitter account, they posted out, like, before the Toronto series, 10 players have been placed on COVID IL, and it was like a tweet thread. And the second, the second tweet was, we encourage all of our staff to get vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> not encouraging it uh, strongly enough. I guess they figured it was like I someone, saw someone point out the Yankees and the Yankees players that weren't vaccinated, they got vaccinated because they knew that this was a year for them to compete. I think Kansas City was like. Wait, especially if you want to be like, like, does this crush Ben Benintendi's trade value, especially yeah. for an American League team? Because like, even if you're not like, you know, because there was a lot of talk he could end up with the Yankees, right? Um, clearly won't end up there now, but like, even if like you're on like the, like you're the Astros, like you may have to play the Blue Jays in the playoffs. And do you want your big acquisition at the deadline to not be able to play in half the games in a playoff series? Like that's, that's devastating for, you know, for his trade value. And uh, I mean, uh, you know, maybe a national league team says, okay, well, the only reason we'd have to go to Toronto is in this world series. We'll take the gamble. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he crushed his own trade value by not getting vaccinated. And the thing is, I don't think it was very well known in major league baseball. I think the teams have kept their cards very close to the best here because once that report came out, then you saw your Ken Rosenthal's and everybody else saying the market for Ben Intendi isn't great, but you would have thought that those teams would have known that stuff beforehand. But I think everybody's just kind of finding out as teams are scheduled to play, to play the blue Jays and, if a team doesn't play the Blue Jays in the first half and you don't know the vaccination status of a guy, you're 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 yeah. rolling the you're rolling the dice for sure. Absolutely. Justin Man, I really thank you for coming on here today. I've wanted to have you on for a while. I'm really glad we finally got to talk, man. 
Hey, absolutely, man. Anytime. It was an absolute blast. Why don't you tell the people one more time about what's going on just briefly where they can find you on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Just a quick once more about uh, the stuff you got going on. Yeah. Twitter, Justin Mason FWFB. Um, I write daily at Fangraphs from the Sleeper in the Bus, TGFBI podcast and the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. Potapalooza this weekend. Going to be live streamed for two straight days, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, every dollar you donate gets your raffle ticket for some really cool prizes, including hopefully some TGFBI entries. Um, if you want to donate, uh, you can uh, do that via PayPal, justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com or on Venmo at Justin Salinger. That sounds really great. I'm hoping that I can uh, squeeze myself in there for a few minutes just to uh, be a part of the club. But whatever the case may be, thank you so much for, for being here with us. Justin Mason, everybody, you guys already know him. I don't even really need to let him do this introduction stuff. He is one of the big ones, but good chance to plug uh, to plug your great event coming this weekend. So we will see you guys tomorrow. We'll be back with another edition. Sans Justin, unfortunately, but we will still be here. So check us out. Fantasy MLB Today, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Cheers, everybody. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.